there was a bit of a struggle in me this past week because of all the things that have been happening. And I, I thought that this world has a way of imposing itself upon us with things that happen. When certain things happen, we tend to take the opportunity on a Sunday morning, even as pastors, to, to reflect upon those things and to make those things overshadow the purpose for which we come together. And so I continued to maintain my commitment to the series that we were supposed to have on miracles. And I'm quite sure that some may ask, couldn't we be talking about what's happening in the world? I suppose that we could. But I would just be joining a number of voices that are saying the same thing that they have been saying since Cain killed Adam. What's wrong with us? Can't we get along with one another? Why can't we do this or why can't we do that? And then I heard the words of Scripture ringing in my ears from the Apostle Paul to Timothy who lived in a time when things were almost the same as they are today, if not worse. And he said, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. So that there's never a time that God's word is not appropriate for whatever is going on in the world. Because God's word is not to the world, God's word is to the church. And I want to bring to you this morning the message that, that God wants me to bring because you are the church. You are the one to whom God sends his word. And I want you to see how in this world we can face, if you please, tomorrow. The message this morning is why miracles? Why miracles? We live in a very different age from 20 years ago. We have more things in the world today that would make miracles or even the supernatural unnecessary. Someone wrote this. Science proceeds on the assumption that whatever event occur in the world can be accounted for other events because they're all related just as, as, as we talk about miracles then, because science proceeds upon the fact that one thing leads to another, to another, to another, miracle is irreconcilable with the modern understanding of both science and history. We live in a different world, so we don't need that. When the world was, was ignorant, when, when people lived in the jungles and, and ate Yucky stuff. <laughs> then they needed miracles. Uh, someone puts it another way. If a, man can, if a man can shave with an electric razor, he doesn't need to worry about miracles. In, in other words, if we have all the technological things that can, that can give us the, the kind of living that we have now, why talk about miracles. C.S. Lewis said that in using the word miracle, 
he means an interference with nature by a supernatural power. And then he goes on to say, unless there exists in addition to the natural something which is supernatural, there can be no miracles. We do not only live in a natural world. God made the world. And if God made the world because he is apart from the world, he's able to intervene, intersect history at any time to do what nature cannot do. And so this morning, we're going to look at the miracle of miracles, the mother of miracles, when we talk about the birth of Jesus. And that's why I want to call your attention to the text that was read from Luke. Uh, by the way, I just want to say something because when Luke writes here, I want you to remember the fact that Luke was a medical doctor. He was a physician, an historian. historian. And so he would never write without contradicting a historical fact having to do with his profession and say it is just my profession tells me certain things about the natural life. But in history, something happens outside, coming from outside into the natural world, and that's what I'm reading about, writing about. I want you to see that. Keep that in mind. Luke was a physician, and Luke is going to talk about the birth of a child without the assistance of a man. As a physician, he had to come to grips with the fact that the natural can be interfered with by the unnatural, the supernatural. So what does it take then to come to that conclusion? Consider with me in your outlines, if you have it, the source of miracles. The source of miracles. Luke chapter 1, 26 to 30. And there are three things that the that, that Luke tells us are necessary for miracles to happen. And you will see why we need that. The natural world has no place to turn when things go awry. But when you believe that God exists, you have someone to go to outside of the natural. So Luke begins by telling us about the possibilities of miracles because God exists. It sounds so ordinary. But listen to what happened to Mary. We are not told the circumstances by which Gabriel came to her, but it seems if you know the history of Nazareth, Forgive me, folks, Nazareth was, was a little worse than Sodaville. <laughs> Nothing happened there. It, it, it was a place that, that was used for sailors passing through. And they want to have a good night, and they stayed there and kept going. Nobody stayed there for any purpose because nothing happened there. It was an ordinary day in the life of Mary. And all of a sudden, her privacy was invaded by an angel called Gabriel. And before that, 
in, Acts, in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 19, this same angel appeared to Zechariah, and, and listen to what he said. I am Gabriel, and I, am, I stand in the presence of God. I stand in the presence of God. Gabriel came from another world, another sphere, into, into human history where flesh and blood existed. And he said, outside of time, outside of space, God exists. And I stand in his presence. To say that God exists means that he is a self-existent, self-conscious, personal being who is the origin of all things. God does not exist because we create him in our minds. Our minds are able to think God because God is. I always jokingly say, when someone hits his fingernails with a hammer, they don't say, oh, Santa Claus. They don't say, oh, Buddha. Even people who don't believe in God, what do they say? Oh, my God. There is a consciousness in our minds that someone outside of who I am truly exists. And a personal, self-existent God exists who is outside of time and space. And because he created the world, he is apart from the world. He is not a part of nature. He is not sustained as we are. We are a part of nature. Because we need other things in nature for us to continue to exist. God needs no help at all. Acts chapter 17. So because God exists, miracles are possible. I'm beginning there. But I want you to see something else that Gabriel said to Mary in verse 30. He talks about the efficiency of God. Or as to how does God act when he acts. Here, here is God who exists outside of time and space. No man has seen God at any time, says the scriptures. And now God is going to come into the natural. Into the visible. The invisible into the visible. And you would think that that for God to come, it would be a scary experience. But nobody knows what God is like. We, you and I sit here this morning, and we can say God is love, but we got that from God's revelation. Mary didn't have this. And, and that's why she was, she was somewhat disturbed. Who is this? Why is this? And, and, and the angel said to her, you have found favor. Now, don't be confused by that. Not earn favor. You have found. That is, that favor has come to you from God. And, and by the way, 
That's the way each of us comes to God with his favor. He, uh, Titus chapter 2, the grace of God has appeared. That's what the word favor means. It is a, a word related to grace. And, and, and grace means you do, not, you do not earn what is happening. Grace means that you are not worthy of what you are receiving, so you can't boast about it. That is why when Mary is, is, is responding, she, stops by, she begins by saying, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. What kind of a God is this God that exists long before there was time? This is a God who comes to us and he doesn't come to scare us. He, he doesn't come to say, I am God. Now smarten up. Well, there are people who believe that that's how God is. There are people who believe that God is a cosmic uh, policeman, that he's just, he just exists to say, Gotcha. No. Mary, in this insignificant place, God, who exists, sent his representative, Gabriel, to speak in time words that no human being can ever speak. This is why Mary began by saying, after Joseph, after she was told what was going to happen, how can this be? This is not natural. See, in the efficiency of God, we have God coming to us in order to do what no natural person can do. This is why science can never respond to the incarnation because science can only deal with what is. Science has to take all the evidences and come to conclusion. It is outside of their sphere. This is a spiritual matter, and science does not deal with the spirit. It deals with the mind. And by the way, the mind of fallen men and women. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says this, that God displays his love toward us in that while we were yet Sinners, God came into human history. I don't say this for any kind of a humor, believe me, but it comes to my mind. A week and a half ago, Lois and I celebrated our 44th wedding anniversary. And, uh, and again, thanks for your kind response. And uh, we are humbled again and again and again as we think of your love for us. So I, I took her to a place in, in Salem for supper. And the place was kind of dark. I hate eating in places where you can't see where you're going. <laughs> and we got, we got to the table. <laughs> and when we got to the table, there was a can of peanuts on the table. Then I got to the table, and I, I looked on the floor. <laughs> and I concluded that that's my first time 
my second time, my never again time. <laughs> I don't like to eat in dirty places. I mean, the peanut shells were all over the place. And I thought, how can a restaurant have a, a something like this? This is not natural. And I said, I said to Lois, the food may be good, but the ambience is something else. <laughs> My friends, can you imagine what it must have been like for God to come into human history and see the utter corruption that exists? If I could feel that way about peanut shells, how does God feel about sin? He came into a world full of corruption, hate, people against people, people against themselves. And he came into that world with grace. He, he, didn't, he didn't come to pounce on us. What he comes to do is to restore. But the restoration of human beings to, to where they ought to be takes a miracle. And that does not exist with human beings. It doesn't. You know, it's interesting. Next week there's going to be the, the, uh, the all-star game, for those of you who are baseball fans. And there will be members of each of the teams going to play, and they're going to wear one uniform, and they're going to play on one team. And two days after that, they go back to their regular team, and they begin to fight one another again. See, the moment, the moment, and moments for us in life can suggest a unity, a unity. Moments can suggest a coming together. But my friends, moments can't keep us. Moment can provide some sense of hope if we could only do this all the time. But the reality is that we do not live in that kind of a confinement. We, we live in our individual places and when we see things, we react a certain way, we do a certain way, we play on the team on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, are we kept together? See, that's a miracle. That's why God made a new man, if you please. A new creation. Not the same old one. And it takes the power and the grace of God to do that. The efficiency of God. Mary, you have found favor. Grace. And if you think the world doesn't need that, just listen to the news. So, Mary's told the stupendous news. Mary's told that she's going to conceive. I'll get to that in a minute. She's going to bear a son. And Mary is, is, is struck by a sense of wonder. How can this be? And then the angel answered her, about the exertion of God in Luke 1, 35 to 37. The Holy Spirit will come upon you 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, that reason alone, the power of the Most High, that is the reason this miracle will take place. Listen, when you read that the devil does miracles, please remember that that's like buying fake diamonds. Only God can really do authentic miracles. Everything else is fake. When Moses went to Egypt and his, his rod was taken down, the Egyptians did almost the same thing, but they were faked. So don't get carried away when you see all the stuff that they're talking about. The power, the power to come into human history and change the human heart and change an environment, the power to break down walls between people and walls within people, that power, my friends, exists only in God. Only in God. There's no human power capable of changing a life. But we're not so much looking right now at how he's changing a life. We're looking at this miracle of God coming into human history by way of the womb of a woman. What Mary is told that what has been told her takes the power of God and it is nothing, it is nothing to give birth naturally because everyone has that. And there is some sense of the miraculous in the birth of a natural child. I repeat it again and again. When I saw my son being born, it did something to me that I am humbled at this very moment as I speak to you. It changed my whole sense of, of life. Not that I didn't have that before, but to see this birth taking place, it was indeed a miracle. But my friends, my wife and I came together and expressing ourselves to each other, this child was born. So what existed already brought this child, but that is, in itself is a miracle. The miracle, please listen, the miracle was not the birth of Jesus. The miracle was the conception. How is this going to be seeing I don't know a man? Mary wasn't stupid. Mary realized, as young as she was, that it takes two to come into that relationship. And the Holy Spirit is the agent by which this is going to take place. And the miracle is the conception because of the power. Not power to destroy. Not power to cause one to flee. But power that makes it possible for the supernatural act of the incarnation to take place. And the only hope, the only hope for any kind of a human transition and conversion to take place in the world my friends, is the power of God.
That sounds so ordinary. But listen to the voices on the television this morning. Or since Wednesday morning. Or Thursday morning. Or Friday morning. Look at the face of the president as he spoke. I said to my wife, you're going to hear the same argument you've been hearing all the time. And it polarizes, the, the, the power he has polarizes people. This power is going to unite people. This power is going to bring forth that which is impossible naturally. And please listen, because God exists, it is possible. And that's what we have to believe. That in spite of the darkness of the hour in which you and I live, there is a power, not with man, not in the White House, not on the hill, not in Salem, not in Ottawa. There's a power that sits enthroned in the heaven, and he has come in the person of his son already to take care of matters. The power of God. I don't know that we believe that such a power can do anything about what's taking place in the world today. And I hope that you are not among those who do not believe this. This is what caused Israel to suffer in the wilderness because when God did one thing, they said, can he do something else? They were never satisfied to rest in what he was able to do. Israel never trusted God in the wilderness because they were always saying there is something else. Jesus could trust his father while on earth. He could sleep in the back of a boat while the disciples are beyond themselves saying we're going to die. Listen to what a miracle is. A miracle is an exception to the observed order of nature brought about by God in order to reveal his power. May I repeat that? It is the exception to an observed order. Nature works in a certain way. This is the way God said it was going to happen. But there are times when God intercepts, when he, when he comes between what is ordered and what he wants to do, and he bring, brings about something that is supernatural that will reveal his power. So when Nicodemus went to Jesus by night, the first thing he said to Jesus, no man can do what you're doing except God is with him. It is not natural for man to do what you've been doing. It is supernatural for you to do what is being done. That is a miracle. It is the, ad it, 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 it is the admission that Nicodemus was admitting, it takes God to do what you are doing. So those are the three things we find in this text. We find the existence of God. That outside of the existence of God, it's impossible for this to happen. We find the efficiency of God. That when God comes into human history, he doesn't come to scare us comes to offer us what only he can provide. And thirdly, when God comes, it takes the power of God to do. 
what we call miracles. May I suggest to you, my friends, the only reason it is a miracle is because we're seeing what human beings cannot see. With God, it's no miracle because God sees it all the time. To you and to me, it is. God knows exactly how my son was going to be born. He didn't say, no, I did that. (laughs) Not God. So now we need to ask a second question. Not only why why is miracle, but what's 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 the need? What is what is the significance of miracles? Why bring this into into play? I want to suggest to you two things from this scripture as well as others. That miracles announces the divine presence. Miracles announces the divine presence. Let, let me go to the end of my notes instead of to the beginning. You shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted means God with us. (laughs) So in in the 11th chapter, in the 11th chapter of the book of Luke, 14 to 20, there's a theological debate going on between the religious leaders of the day and Christ. Christ was casting out demons. And, 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 and the, 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 the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the elders accuse Christ of casting out demons by the prince of demons. <laughs> Think that one for a moment. Jesus is casting out demons, and they're saying the reason you are doing this is because you are related to the prince of demons. Do you get it, friends? It's insane. It's insane to say that demons cast out demons. Demons do not cast out demons. It takes something more powerful than demons to cast out demons. So Jesus answered in verse 20. If I, by the finger of God, that's why Nicodemus said, no man can do the things you're doing except God is with him. If I, by the, by, by the, f- the finger of God, cast out these demons then the kingdom of heaven is among you. Jesus is saying God is in the natural to do the supernatural. And you're seeing it. You're seeing it. Listen, listen. When we evict God from the natural, we have to find some other explanation for what is supernatural. And so we we develop ad hoc arguments to argue against the presence of God in human history. Are we living in a day like that? (laughs) Are we not living in a day, my friends, when we're trying to naturalize everything? That nothing is supernatural without without some human explanation, no matter what it is. And what Jesus comes to tell us is that by coming into the world, God is making available. God is making available the possibility of a change in human behavior and human history. But it can only do that unless God is present with us. 
I, I always think of, a, of Peter. Here they're going through a storm. And the storm is raging against Peter and the apostles. <laughs> and at midnight, Jesus comes. Not at midnight, past midnight, Jesus comes. And as Jesus comes, listen to Peter. Lord, if it is you, bid me to come. <laughs> what is Peter doing? You know, we, we argue with Peter and say, there goes big mouth again. <laughs> there goes Peter again. But listen, by asking God to accompany him with the miraculous, Peter experienced it, but the others didn't. They did not get to experience God with us in the middle of storms. They stayed in the boat and trembled. Peter walked on water. That's a miracle, friends. And only when Jesus is with us can we live miraculous lives. This is the significance of miracles, that God comes into human history to help us to know how to cope with storms in our lives. And he has the power to give us the ability to overcome them. That's the significance of it. God with us. I, I, can I do this without thinking of my, my dear mother? When my father died and mom was left with six children, my dad was only 33, he was going to be, he's going to be 33 actually, he died. And, and, and in those moments, God gave my mother a verse of scripture that, that stood with her until she died. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And my mother clutched, you know, sometimes, believe me, sometimes I would, I was living in Toronto at the time and we'd drive um, 10 hours to get to Chicago and so I would go down to see her twice a year. And, and every time we're leaving, she will hug us and then she will say, remember what he said? I know exactly what she meant. And I would say, yes, mom, I remember. By, no, no, what did he say? <laughs> she would never let us leave without repeating, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. The significance of miracles, my friends, is that we can claim the presence of God in the natural things of life that God lifts up us to a supernatural existence because he's with us. Because he's with us. That psalm we love so much, Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Thou art with me. Thou art with me. My friends, may I suggest to you that because he is with us doesn't mean there won't be tears. But it means that he dries them. 
he drives them. And one day, tears will be history because we will live in a world where his presence is constantly with us. It announces the divine presence. It announces the divine program. The incarnation. Again and again, Jesus would say, for this cause I came into the world. In, in Luke chapter 2, when Jesus was being dedicated, Simon, uh, Simeon, sorry, Simeon, the prophet, stood up. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And he revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, uh, as the law requires, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and he praised God saying, Now, Lord, let your servant depart in peace. As you promised, I have seen the salvation of the Lord. This was just a little, a little child. This was a baby in arms. And Simeon said, this is God's salvation. The program of God now begins on earth in earnest. No more prophecy. The prophecies are all fulfilled in this child. Listen to what he is. This child is your salvation which is you have prepared for all people. He, this child, is light to reveal God to the nations. And he, this child, is the glory of your people Israel. The program of God. What program? The redemptive program. Jesus said, I came into this world and I will live miraculously. I am going to be inhabiting a womb without contracting sin. And I'm going to grow up a perfect life. And I'm going to die on the cross. And I'm going to die on the cross so I can pay the sins of all that men have been doing since Adam fell. That whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. And my friends, if you are a Christian this morning, you are a miracle. And if, you want, if you're not a Christian this morning and you want to become a miracle, you ask Christ into your life. Because he's here. He's here. He's present with us by his spirit. His word is here. And Jesus says, God began, uh, Gabriel said, God began his, his program of redemption through the birth of this miracle of miracles, so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life and shall never perish. Someone said the world's greatest verse of scripture is the most simple verse of scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The miracle is the incarnation. Why? Because God wants to redeem you and me.
he gave his son so that you might be able to say like my mother, God has given me a promise. And for years and years and years, she lived until she was 92. And that verse sustained her through thick and thin because God was with her as he will be with you. Let us pray. Father, I pray that this grand miracle will become more than a Christmas text. That the incarnation is only the beginning of the whole story. Not even the cross ends it. Not even the ascension ends it. Jesus is in heaven, but God continues to work. And the whole thing will end when there's a new heaven and a new earth. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's our blessed hope. And the miracle of the incarnation is how it all started. To you we give our grateful thanks and praise this morning. In the name of your Son. Amen.